88.9 FM in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future. Every Thursday, you're going to hear us from 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. And today, calling in, we've got Jesse Lambertson. And he's going to be talking to you about the Folger Shakespeare Library. He's calling in from the East Coast. He's going to be in the Washington, D.C. area and also in the distance learning program through the Graduate School of Library Information Science at the University of Illinois in his last semester as well with me. So he got this special library project and he's going to be talking to us about it live on air right now. Hi Jesse, thanks for calling. Hi, no problem. How are you? Oh, very good. I know you have um, your work today. You're going to the Folger Shakespeare Library shortly. Uh, I'll be doing that actually on Monday today. I also work at a bike shop, so I'm keeping myself pretty busy in a lot of different things. Um, but I definitely want to talk about the Folger with the few minutes that we have. Um, I know that you're, I know that you're, you're up there in California, obviously in, in Irvine. So let me uh, set aside the time difference. Obviously, we're three hours. I'm in the middle of the day here on the East Coast. Uh, my name is uh, Jesse Lambertson. Are you, you want to ask me any questions? Do you want me just to oh. talk about what you're... I, I like to know how you got into working with libraries. You obviously have a varied amount of um, interests, you know, bicycle shop, and I know you're into music. And then, so this is something I think you didn't know you would go into from the beginning, and I think other people can relate to the possibility of entering the library information sciences as well. How'd you get into that? Yes, uh, you know, long-term projects for life, of course. I found myself over years being drawn toward museums and libraries, of course, cultural institutions, um, and has become increasingly bookish over the years, bookish being, you know, the word we use for books and articles and digital documents, databases, and all the other things that we use for, for me, research and scholarly purposes. Um, and so when I kind of realized that uh, about three years ago, I you know, went through the process of applying and was super happy to, to get into University of Illinois' you know, graduate um, uh, library school program. And uh, very happy about that because it really brings together, for me, you know, my interest in the cultural institutions that are libraries and also, you know, my own bookishness and book organization sort of geekishness, which I also uh, must admit that I have. I think every librarian has that to some degree. So, and I've, and I've been at several, uh, two museums. This is actually my third library uh, where I've worked and really enjoying the staff there. They're really top rate. The head of cataloging there, Deborah J. Leslie, is, uh, is actually the chair of the committee uh, in the D.C. Rare Materials uh, Cataloging Sort of Standards. Uh, the Library of Congress had just put out a new publication, and she was the chair of the committee that did that. But two other people are working under the same, uh, the same program. Erin uh, Blake is doing graphics, and Heather Wolf is doing the manuscripts under that same D.C. Rare Materials Cataloging Standards Committee. They just basically just happened within the last year and a half, I think. So there's a lot of top great people at the Folger, and I, I like that they're interacting with, you know, rare materials and then all of the digital stuff. You know, they have a lot of, uh, they have a, a really well-used Luna Insight database where they have total digitized objects cover to cover, tons of digitized manuscripts and letters, uh, things we would find from early modern uh, England, Europe uh, for sure, but mostly in English because they are a Folger Shakespeare library. And so, by working with that, we are doing uh, EAD uh, standard XML documents in the finding aids, of which we're linking uh, full 
that full digitized products uh, in the finding aids to the finding aids, which is super awesome because that way we get to use multi uh, multi resources that the Folger has, you know, in one sort of user uh, friendly area. Instead of having to go from one database to another, we can link one database to the other and just basically use that uh, seamlessly. It's very nice. So I've been doing that in part. Uh, we also have a um, NEH funded grant right now in which we're take, uh, cataloging, you know, obviously using Voyager, the entire Shakespeare collection, and this is, you know, all the editions of Shakespeare from 1623 onward, uh, you know, this is every type of edition, scholarly edition, things that are Shakespeare, uh, you know, being titled, you know, or authored by him. Uh, they're actually fully cataloging that entire collection right now with an NEH grant. So that's very cool because, you know, the NEH does a lot of these kinds of things around the United States, and they're very involved with that right now. So the Folger is quite busy doing that, and I'm actually in part of that, too, doing some tracings and things. So that's very that's very fun. Uh, any any more questions? You you can take me to wherever you want me to go. I, I see that where um, you are at the Folger Shakespeare Library is home to the world's largest and finest collection of Shakespeare materials. Yes. And I think that's amazing then in the whole world. That's where... You see it, so you get a lot of patrons come through. You have a lot of different needs for reference and research. Do you help out with that? What do you see there? Tons. Uh, yeah, so again, uh, I'm in charge of a lot of the finding aid uh, work. We are also in the process of, um, I think right now they're designing um, a map collection to interact with the World Digital Library, which I think is in the process of being built right now. That's kind of a longer-term process, which isn't happening right now, but I'm actually working with people who are doing that. So that's very cool. Uh, and that the World Digital Library, of course, is the kind of, is John Billington's Librarian of Congress, his kind of pet project. So we're seeing a lot of uh, interactions with the Library of Congress. They have a lot of ongoing exhibits at the Folger Library, and so because the Library of Congress is super close, we get to interact with them, you know, a lot. They're actually right across the street. I get to see the Jefferson Building every morning when I go in, uh, and uh, and right there, it's beautiful, up to the Capitol Hill in D.C. But yeah, the fact that the large, the fact that the material is there digitally and, you know, in rare book form, art, early modern art, early modern manuscripts, letters, etc., uh, we have uh, a total, uh, you know, again, the world's largest collection of Shakespeare is in Washington, D.C., not in, uh, you know, England, which is kind of surprising, but it just is a matter of, you know, where the collectors were and where they decided they wanted it to be. In this case, uh, the Folger family in 1930, you know, uh, donated a, a lar- this whole collection to this library and basically created the funding for the library to exist. It's kind of nest egg for it to begin. Um, and so they have, uh, you know, embraced embrace basically, you know, the semantic web as they link more and more information uh, to, you know, open the open web through the Folger.edu portal. And then there's all kinds of fun things that come out of that. You know, people will go in there and do research. Uh, PhDs from all over uh, will do research on early modern uh, materials of all kinds. Lots of Shakespeare, but lots of other early modern materials too, not just Shakespeare. And they will find really fascinating things. They will, the staff is running a blog called Coalition, uh, called The Coalition, which is coalition.folger.edu, and, and at that blog, they are posting their fun uh, items that they see in the collection, just as a kind of scholarly promotion, and then um, and a Flickr feed, which is, of course, also, you know, digitized pictures of things that readers find and that staff finds. They take pictures of these items that they find or these marks that they find in text and art, etc., and they post it to the Flickr feed, which is 
essentially just being, uh, you know, curated by Foyer staff, but his readers and staff um, are both involved with uh, producing images for that feed. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of top level research happening, top level academic involvement happening, and it's really fun to be a part of it because you know uh, they're these people at the Folger love their job. They seem to me they love their job and they're happy to be involved in teaching people to do it with them. You know, and that's always a pleasure as an intern. And I am interning there right now. Um, and it, and they were happy to you know they're happy, they're happy to get new people who are interested in the things that they're working on right now. So uh, that, does that answer your question? Oh, that was very good. It's very helpful, and um, yeah, it's really good to know that's the number one Shakespeare place. And is that something you're looking into continuing um, full time, or where were you going to go after your degree? Where do you think it'll take you? Yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty open. I mean, obviously, we know that librarianship. You know, it doesn't ever sit, sit static. It sits always changing. And we like to say that it's changing right now, and it is, but it's always changing. We have seen it change so much. I mean, even just the level of standards, uh, records creation, you know, uh, the OPAC versus the sort of internal catalogs, uh, paper finding aids versus digital finding aids. And these, thing, these things are always changing, and they all, they all have a lot of value to them. Um, you know, and, and so me... Uh, and and everybody in librarianship is is simultaneously you know well we, we all have to be ready to adapt to the new thing and we love to touch on the phrase uh, lifelong learning and I think that's super important I believe that that is something that librarians should be doing pretty much with their life lifelong learning and that life librarianship is not just a professional task but in fact also brings together many of the pleasures that any librarian can be involved in anyway just uh, you know reading new types of thinking, reading new types of uh, justifications for why a new record exists in one form or another over the decades, because these are changing all the time, you know? And so I think that's, I, I don't, do I know where I'm going? I don't know where I'm going next. I'm going to be there for a while yet. I'm enjoying my time. We have a lot of planned projects I want to be a part of for um, some time now, so I'm going to be adapt, very adaptable, I think, to what's happening there and then where I, I don't know where my career is going to go, but I'm, I want to be open for it. And I hope that um, also answers your question. Yeah, that's very exciting, and congratulations. Is this um, your last semester as well? Yes, I'm, I'll, I am graduating, and, uh, you know, happy to, happy to get to work. And, you know, I mean, school is its own pleasure. Uh, I do enjoy it, but I am ready to move on into greater projects. So I have a lot of web publishing plans just personally, which are also going to be tied to librarianship, but I have kind of a, a web publishing uh, format that I'm trying to develop later in this summer, at least beginning it, you know, uh, some web hosting and other things that I want to do sort of in tandem with all of my other library work, but not disconnected. You know, we know that a lot of librarians are also running blogs, and mine will have one eventually. It's going to have a lot of other things to it, which are going to be some book reviews and some other stuff that I want to add. Um, and, and I want to use that also as a way of kind of weirdly promoting bicycle advocacy, because I, I do ride my bike, and for me, I'm kind of like the bicycle librarian, and, and I'm, not afraid of, uh, I'm not afraid of saying that out loud. So. That's excellent. Yeah, there's a event coming down this Sunday in L.A. Once a year, they have a bunch of cyclists come in around um, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in L.A., and um, I might join that this year. Yeah, if you have time. If you have time, it's, it's going to be really fun. I know bikes, DC Bike Fest is getting ready to happen in uh, about three weeks, and I'm definitely going to that. I already have my ticket set aside, so I'll be there. You know, hanging out with people and talking about bicycles and efficacy. And anyway, none of that is really about librarianship. But the point is, is you know, I do have a lot of interests, and and librarianship is certainly uh, a major one because it brings together 
so many of my scholarly and um, research uh, interests. And um, so the Soldier is the kind of place that really uh, makes me happy uh, to be there. So. Do they have a lot of uh, interaction with the Shakespeare play type yeah, um, so performance? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of Shakespeare plays that happen in the D.C. area, of course. There actually is a Shakespeare theater, which is not at Folger, but Folger does have a theater within its building, and they have uh, ongoing seasonal plays, not just Shakespeare stuff, but lots of Shakespeare plays happening there, other plays, too, that might be of the era or that they, they think thematically, you know, sort of conform to their mission statement, you know. Um, and you, you, can, you can read that on the, on the website and see what you think about that. But uh, they are doing a lot of plays there in the actual folder. So it's, what it actually is, of course, is a, is a proper central library with uh, a vault and HVAC for standard rare materials. They have all kinds of modern stacks which are accessible to the readers, uh, tons of database subscriptions, as you would expect uh, in any library of its sort. Um, and there's a reading room. Uh, for rare materials, and then there's uh, actually an addition to the reading room, which I think came into the, in the late 80s, suddenly the time escapes me, but I think it was in the late 80s when they built the second reading room, which has a lot more modern materials in it, and then there's a exhibition hall, which, which is where they show off, uh, you know, thematic um, exhibitions over, over the course of the year, each year, and they have catalogs and some, or some kind of publication that usually attaches to it in, in one way or another. Uh, and so they're drawing together a lot of uh, digital uh, exhibition elements within the uh, within the, in the great room there, and then they also have rare materials sort of interacting in the same area. And you can see, you know, how a digitized uh, book in Latin also, you know, interacts with a uh, with a non-digitized book in you know a early 17th century English uh, font or something. You see, they're all kind of existing together. And I think that's really a pleasure to see all those things happening in one place, and and I get to I get to see that regularly, and um, it's a pleasure. So. Yeah, I'm really excited that more and more libraries and archives are digitizing their collection. It's just a higher level of access for the world. I mean, if they have the internet, even that's a really great yeah, way to get exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and we're not gonna we're not gonna know what happens in the future. You know, with this and trends and technologies and everything, and so we're. We know that we have to be available for that, and uh, you know, clearly, um, I am trying to be available for that for whatever the changes are. And, and also, it seems clear to me that that the Folger is also trying to be open to the things that are happening and over time. So, yeah, I love that everybody is adaptable and changeable. Like I don't know, some people don't like change, and you just <laughs> gotta look into our digital future and see what yeah, exactly is coming exactly. up next. And I really enjoy that, um, you know, you, you say how li- bicycles aren't necessarily librarian-related, but I think everything actually is li- related to libraries and archives because right. it's all subject that's contained in a library. You know, you could find anything that you want to know about bicycles at, at a library, really. That's a good point. And, you know, what would be really fun is if we take it to the next level, and this is just a, a matter of my own pleasures coming together, and that would be is if we use an interlibrary loan system that use bicycles as couriers instead of vans. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would just be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be a nice day of uh, bike riding, depending what weather you're, what state you're in, if there's rain. Yeah, that's rain. a good point. That's a good point. Obviously, I moved to this area from Chicago, and Chicago is much colder in the wintertime, and even though I still rode year-round there, it is much nicer here. I will admit that out loud. So. <laughs> yeah, how is the, the bicycle scene in D.C.? I know um, with the six times I've been in Chicago, I've been seeing so many cyclists um, compared to L.A., you know, even maybe it's a little more than L.A. Yeah, 
I get the impression, of course, that I'm obviously I'm living in the D.C. area now and was living in Chicago. The Chicago scene is huge. I mean, it's, it's gigantic in a certain way. Here it's very different. There's a lot more roadies. There's a, a really gigantic triathlon scene here. And, uh, you know, there's this aggressive road riding for sure. I think more, I see more aggressive road riding here in terms of distance training than I, than I saw in Chicagoland. The numbers are certainly not as dense as we would expect on an early morning in Chicago going to work, which you'd have several thousand cyclists riding to work, and you would see lots of them. In the D.C. area, they're more spread out because of how the space is. The space itself is more spread out, you know. It's not as much of a giant city, so it has, you know, a little more of a... Um, it's just a little more spread out. So there's great trails here, which are well-used. I mean, well-used every day by commuters and uh, recreational cyclists alike. So people like to not ride in the cold, but the, you're always going to have that. People don't want to ride in the cold, you know. It just is less cold here than it is in Chicago in the wintertime. <laughs> That's <laughs> so. excellent. Yeah, I just can't imagine myself leaving Southern California. I'm just spoiled with the weather here. <laughs> nice, nice. What, what is the temperature there right now, by the way? Do you know? Oh, it's not It's not too bad. I'm not okay. sure, though, but it's, it's not cold. And I think the other day it was actually pretty hot. Nice. Right. And then do you I'll have s- any more? Do you have any more questions for me? Yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you there. No, no. I was wondering, too, since you are so close to the Library of Congress and you work there, is that some place you'd like to intern? And how do you see the Library of Congress wor- working as a national library for the U.S.? Have you visited the facilities? What do oh. you think of that? I've never been there. Oh, of course. Yeah. So the, the, the Library of Congress is a gigantic institution, and they're doing about everything that's being done in librarianship in some form or fashion as far as I know. I mean, clearly, I am just one person, and I've only seen what I have seen, but I know that they're engaging, since we are kind of trying to focus on digital content, you know, they are, uh, one of the things they just developed, which I just saw a presentation on a couple of months ago at the Folger, was this brand new web sort of aggregation of, um, software called ViewShare, which you may have seen promoted recently. Um, developed by NDIP, which is essentially their gigantic digitization, um, uh, digital products, you know, uh, division um, that they have over there. I think they're, I think they're in the Madison building, which is the one, you know, not the main Jefferson building, but the one across independence from it, just, you know, because all the, the three buildings of the Library of Congress are basically right there at the top of the hill above the Capitol, you know, or not above, but right beside it, right behind it, so... They're doing everything that I think is being done in librarianship. So, and exhibitions, tons and tons and tons of public advocacy. They have a, a really active Twitter feed because I know I get their I get their tweets um, to my phone every day. So I'm kind of following what they're doing. They are using digital, um, you know, images to promote certain other aspects of their collections. And then they have lots of lectures and things you can go to regularly. Um, music. So they are definitely a multi-resource cultural institution, and I only feel good about the Library of Congress uh, right now. You know, I mean, I think they're doing a lot of strong things, and like I said, being right there at the Folger Library, we do have some um, more more relationship with them than other libraries may, just because we are simply so close. So, Yeah, I just love the pictures I've seen of their main reading room, too, how it's a circle, and in oh, the middle is the librarian. Yeah. Well, next time you come to the D.C. area, you should absolutely visit the, you know, both buildings, I think, or all three of them, rather. I, the, the Jefferson Building is the main one, and that clearly is where most of the exhibitions are. Uh, the other ones are a little more, I think, I think I could be wrong, I think they're a little more designed for, you know, like the kind of nuts and bolts of daily work, 
but you'd have to you have to check on that to be sure. The Jefferson is clearly where most of their exhibitions are, and you can go in there. They have a folk life. The American Folk Life Center is in there, which is gigantic of audio and images and other things. So they're doing a lot. And um, so anyway, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, that's great information, never being on the D.C. area, to hear about the Folgers Shakespeare Library and the, also the Library of Congress. I hope to visit that one day. And, you know, that was one spot I was thinking of doing an alternative spring break to just check it, check it out for a week and observe how the librarians went, were. But um, instead, I got to go to Puerto Rico and check out libraries oh, over there. That sounds fun, too. Actually, we just had... Um, some alternative spring breakers come in here in, I think it was early March, <clears throat> um, from the Midwest, and uh, they came in and did some tracings projects and a couple other things I don't exactly remember, but uh, we are definitely, you know, definitely open and willing to, uh, you know, uh, interact with interns who want to show up and learn <clears throat> and do some work, you know, so that's what it's about, learning and doing work, and there's a lot of things to be done, so... Yeah, I love how everybody can collect really rare materials and preserve them for the future. And just, exactly. that's a great art, just taking photos of those rare materials on a shelf. Like I see so many blogs of just, that's all it is, is pictures of rare books on shelves. Exactly, exactly. No, it's really, it's really great. And, and you know, the Folger is, is doing things more object-oriented, I mean item-oriented in the sense that they, they want each item to be explored in the way that a high-quality digital uh, photograph allows it to be explored, you know. And so they're not really taking pictures of shelves. I know that's done and it looks very pretty. In this case, we're really trying to get, you know, items themselves uh, digitized so that we can, um, you know, not interact as much, which is standard library preservation uh, routine is to digitize an image so that a lot of things that can, that would normally, you know, need the original document to be handled to accomplish for whatever research project is underway. This way we can do a lot of content-oriented examination via the digital copy. And then the original copy doesn't get handled as often. It, and, but it's still there in most cases uh, for uh, necessary access because clearly there are things that the uh, analog object will do that the digital object will not do. So we're looking at that kind of contrast and that's totally okay. Yeah, and that brings me to also to the uh, the security question because that's what one time um, archives are just known for being, you know, like a jail. That's what I've heard yeah. in the <laughs> archival administration class. That's you know, it can be intimidating to patrons to even want to handle anything. And yeah. how, how do you guys handle it there? Is it hi highly secure? Secure? Oh yeah, I mean you know, secure in a way. It definitely is open. I mean they believe in promotion. They believe in advocacy. They believe in, you know, uh, pleasant interactions with people who want to come in and interact with materials of all sorts. So clearly the great hall there is the exhibition, the main public exhibition space in which you get to see objects. The web, of course, allows things to be interacted with, you know, um, without the need for a kind of security or reading room uh, policy. Because, you know, every rare book or, or rare material reading room has some kind of policy about access and usually it involves, you know, uh, sort of ID checking and forms and special, you can, you can only bring certain things into the room because you want to make sure nothing is, you know, damaged or taken because these things happen. I mean, rare materials are rare. You know, they are, they are things that people want, you know. And so we have a relatively open and friendly um, uh, reading space, but it does, it definitely uses uh, policy of, 
uh, certain forms and IDs, and I, I, I think their policy has to do with mostly doctorates being allowed into the rare books room for reading, but there are probably some other people being laid in. I just don't actually know their, their entire um, policy of rare books um, access. But again, the digital products, they are designed to uh, allow some of those things to be seen in, in the digital way uh, on, the, on the open web without being, uh, having to go through the process of standard rare books, manuscripts, library, you know, reading room access policy. That's what's great about being an intern as well as you get the hands-on daily exposure that you wouldn't normally get as a patron. That's why. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I feel so good about it. And, you know, it, 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 like I said, it's a highly professionalized place, and, and that, is something, that is teaching me a lot, you know, about highly professionalized culture. You know, in in the library in the library space, because it's not just it's not a business culture. I mean, there's a lot of businessy things that happen everywhere. I mean, there's the bottom line is being examined everywhere. You know, and that's just how it is. But you know, it, it is a highly professionalized space. And as an intern, uh, encouraging other interns, you know, uh, to be involved where they can, then I, I feel I feel totally uh, good about doing that because it is that kind of place that has you know those. All those materials happening, and you are allowed to see how people interact with them, how people interact with the culture that is, yeah, does that make sense? I mean, it's kind of yeah. a subtle thing that you may not think about immediately, but every place has a culture, and, and, and the culture has a, has a great culture, so I, I certainly advocate it. So we would be lucky to work at a place like that, and I hope that we all find really great places to use our library information science skills. Exactly. Exactly. I wish the best to you, and you to, and, to, and to myself, of course. <laughs> so I'll probably see you at graduation. Are, are you going to go? Yeah. Are you going to walk? Oh, I know. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to sit that one out and, and uh, watch a movie or something. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm not a bad. Hope I'm not a bad student because I don't go to graduation. Oh no, you're good for interning at the Folger Shakespeare Library yeah. and telling oh, us you. about it. Great. <laughs> You've learned a lot, and you've come a long way from when we started uh, two years ago, I believe. A really great program. I encourage everyone to check out the library information science field for a possible professional career of a lifetime. of. It's really great to work with these materials. I agree. I agree. Uh, thank you, Ziba. No problem, and have a nice day. Oh, thanks. I'll thanks talk to you later. Calling. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. And that there was... Jesse Lambertson, our guest today on Our Digital Future, every Thursday, 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m., where we talk to librarians around the world and archivists about the digital future of our information spaces. So calling from Washington, D.C., three hours ahead of us, and we got to learn about the, how the Folger Shakespeare Library is the number one Shakespeare resource in person for rare books, and that's really a great opportunity to learn about what library information science can do for you and your future if you want to check out a graduate program. It's really um, rewarding because we love libraries and archives. So stay tuned now for the 9 a.m. slot. We've got Nonprofits for Us, the world of nonprofit organizations with Deanne Crane every Thursday morning. And welcome to spring quarter. I hope all your classes are doing well. Today is... April and um, the 12th. Stay tuned for more great public affairs programs.